1: Hey, welcome into it darn right. It is Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker 1480 on the AM dial, KQAM, hailing out of here. However, got a bit of a change on the program today, so welcome into the show for Kansas Talk. Another Saturday, getting you up and moving, talking about issues all over the state of Kansas. It's what we do, baby, and a big show lined up for you today as well. We'll get into that here in just a minute. One we'll call into the program. You're more than welcome to do so at 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. If you want to join in on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines, a few program changes here on the show today. Number one, all of our commercial breaks are now hard timed, a little bit different, so we can't kind of do the loosey-goosey flow format as we have been doing, which we thoroughly (laughs) enjoy on this program. Nothing wrong with it, but a little bit different due to the fact that we have a couple new stations that are picking up the program today, our sister stations out in western Kansas and Garden City. KIU, I guess one station. KIUL, twelve forty in the AM dial. Welcome aboard, guys. As we talk about issues all over the state of Kansas, I guess it's appropriate to have the conversation out in western Kansas as well. So another station added to us. Welcome, Garden City. Good morning to you. Let's get you up and moving. If you want to call into any of our issues, you're more than welcome to do so at three one six seven two one eight two five five three one six seven two one talk on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotline. It's got a lot of stuff we got to talk about today. Obviously, the legislative session of 2023 still rolling along. Bottom of the hour, we have David Schneider. He is the state director for the Convention of States Movement. If you are not aware, the Convention of States Movement did present their bill officially earlier this week and for another year has not gone anywhere. Did not get enough votes to move forward With the issue, we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. So we'll have David Schneider on at the bottom of the hour. Hour number two, uh, we sat down with Stephen Johnson, our Kansas State treasurer, as we talk about some of the economic issues, obviously the banks that are failing across the nation. We have the Silicon Valley Bank in California. We have the bank in New York. We have another bank, uh, what was it? first republic bank that was bailed out. There's banks globally across the world over in Europe that are uh, uh, failing as well with uh, businesses and banks, other banks that are starting to bail them out. Are we safe here in the state of Kansas? Are we okay? And uh, what does the banks look like here in the state? Along with talking about different tax rates, the budgetary process here in the state, how we are with some of our revenue coming in on a monthly basis. We'll talk with Stephen Johnson, Kansas State Treasurer, about that to kick off our number two uh, at the bottom of hour number two, we're going to play an interview we did during our national broadcast of the Voice of Reason. As we talk about the women's rights bill in the state, we talk about the women's sports bill in Kansas, and we'll sit down with May Mailman. She's a actually a Kansas native, currently hailing out of Ohio. She's the head of the women's uh, ind- the Independent Women's Law Center. And we'll play that interview about her thoughts on the presenting of the bill here in Kansas and where we're at with women's rights bills. Kansas Governor Laura Kelly has vetoed the women's sports bill. (laughs) Shocker. Now, remember, she was on the campaign trail for the last couple of years saying that obviously it's it's common sense and obvious that men should not play in women's sports in the state of Kansas. But when the bill goes to her desk, saying men shouldn't play in women's sports in the state of Kansas, she ends up vetoing the bill. Now, I believe we have enough votes to override that veto, and we'll get into that here in just a little bit at the bottom of next hour. But open lines to you for the first half hour at 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK if you want to join in. There are... A lot of things we need to talk about, but to kick off, I've been talking about this throughout the week on our national broadcast, and I really want to open up the lines and the opportunity for you regarding, in show of hands, I know a lot of small business owners listen to the program, a lot of just consumers listen to the program, a lot of elected officials listen to the program and their staff, which is why sometimes they don't like what I have to say on this program at times. But show of hands, how many individuals use TikTok, the social media app? How many use it? not just for maybe personal use, but maybe for your business, where there's now at least three different stories that I've seen from local news across these states that shows businesses that use TikTok in order to boost their business that's been relatively successful for them because of the fact that they use a social media app where they can use video tutorials, they can talk to individuals, and it's a kind of a neat program that's helped them boost their business. One of them uh, the latest one was this hat tip to Cake News with uh, a business owner here in the Wichita area locally that, uh, that said that he's been able to expand his business, move his business out of his home, and actually hire employees due to having near half a million followers on TikTok that's been able to boost his revenue and gain traction for what he does. The
2: People's Republic of China. No,
1: let's, no, that's the wrong one. Let's try another one here. Let's. Uh, that's another one we'll get to in a minute.
3: TikTok is actually very popular. Paramount for our business, essentially, you know, we we do have other social medias. We're on the YouTube and Facebook and Instagram, but TikTok is where a majority of our followers are. You know, we have about half a million followers on there. To me, it sort of feels like they're taking away, uh, you know, my right as a citizen to do what I do, run my business. Right? It's it's going to be very harmful to us to not be able to access
1: that Uh, so that was audio from cake news with a small business that says hey i use tiktok that's what i use to help boost my business why are we taking something like this away throughout this week congress in washington dc has been interviewing in the uh, hearings the ceo of tiktok with concerns about their ties with china and i i think i guess I've taken a little bit different perspective on this issue as opposed to what we're hearing from both Republicans and Democrats with their concerns with the CCP and with the uh, communist government of China, which is a major concern for us globally, nationally, with their power play that they're trying. But if we're concerned about transparency, if we're concerned about privacy, if we're concerned about government collecting data, the, the stance I've been making is why are we so concerned about TikTok when our own government does the same damn thing with the sources that we have here in the country, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Google, whether it's YouTube, which YouTube and Google are kind of the same now. They're the same parent company. They're just kind of regulating each other. Uh, we have Twitter even as well. And the government not liking that they can't censor or use their own propaganda on the social media by shadow banning, by censoring, and by blocking content on there. As you know, if you've been on Facebook for the last three years, if you've been on YouTube for the last three years, even if you've been on Twitter for the last three years, you can't say anything against the government's narrative on COVID-19 without being completely blocked or shadow banned or eliminated completely. You can do it on TikTok. You can have those conversations on TikTok. Uh, You can't have them on Facebook. So, my question to you is Do you use TikTok? Are you okay with using TikTok or are you anti against it because it is run by a Chinese uh, company known as ByteDance and that is giving data to the Chinese government? Now, with that being said, I say that I am very much in favor of banning. TikTok from uh, uh, different phones and cell phones and access uh, for individuals that are government officials, that are military officials, that may have some type of national security clearance, that may have some intel with our government in how it operates. Yes, I completely agree. The Chinese government should not have that stuff. But I think we're being a little bit hypocritical, and I think that we are... Using a little bit of selective rage, even on the Republican side, with concerns of TikTok, when we allow the tracking of our cell phone with GPS by the government anytime that they choose to do so. When, as of just 2019, a couple years ago, we were still battling the Patriot Act issues, where they're collecting hundreds of millions of cell phone numbers tracking their conversations tracking their text messages tracking their web searches on their phones doing whatever the hell they want to do as a government here in the united states why all of a sudden are we concerned now about privacy issues because of another source that the government our government does not have purview over and regulation over and i think Honestly, that's really what it comes down to. Now there is an individual that is a representative or uh, some type of representative here in our state, and for our new listeners out in Western Kansas on KIUL in Garden City, that it, you'll know very quickly that U.S. Senator Jerry Moran is still yet to make an appearance on this program. So we have our very own segment here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, she sneaks around the world from Kiev to
4: Carolina. She's a sticky-fingered filcher from Berlin down to Belize. She'll take you for a ride on a snowmobile to China. Tell me where in the
1: world is Jerry Moran.
4: Steal their soul in South Korea. Make it that it cooks right off of the
1: jerry moran there we go that's our segment where in the world is jerry moran is in the 10 years that we've been on the radio in the state of kansas he's yet to come on the program and chat with me and uh i don't know that he will anymore and so we've just kind of given up trying but he was in washington dc making a statement just a couple of days ago regarding the threats of china and what that means for the nation the
2: people's republic of china is our greatest foreign threat to democracy to our peace and to our prosperity At no time, this is not just a throwaway line, at no time in my life have I been more concerned about the enormity of the challenges our country faces. The Chinese Communist Party led by President Xi Jinping, the most powerful leader of the CCP since Chairman Mao, is on a determined, calculated mission to overtake the United States in fields that will shape the 21st century. Beijing is intent that rather than the United States of America influencing world events in a way that favors and bends toward our principles of free and open world, they want China's or, excuse me they want China's authoritarian model, and they want the world bent their way.
1: I agree with him in this statement that China is a major threat, not to our democracy, because we don't have a democracy, we have a constitutional republic, but I do agree with him in the sense that they are a major threat. Now, what are we going to do about that major threat with China? If they are such a threat as he says, which I agree that they are, then why is TikTok the issue that we're doing the selective rage with when 80% of our production of goods, consumeristic goods, Whenever you go to a major big box store, whenever you go to Walmart, whenever you go to a store, why are we still using them to manufacture and produce everything that we have just because it's cheap labor and cheap, uh, cheap products to be able to make a profit? If they are that much of a threat, why, why are we still trading with them? If they're that much of a threat... Why are we making uh, he's part of the agricultural community, obviously, because ag is such a big thing, especially here in Kansas. If that's the case, then why are we still trying to make agricultural trade deals with China? If they are trying to dominate the world and they're trying to abuse the American system and they're trying to take us over in some way, shape or form, financially, economically, buying off our debts left and right. And they're a communist regime wanting to destroy a large portion of the globe or us specifically. Why are we making deals with them? Why are we still working with them? Why don't we cut them off? And now I get that would be obviously a major shakeup in the global markets, but if they're that much of a threat, why do we continue to work with them? It's a legitimate question, isn't it? Yes, I agree, China is a threat. Do something about it, cut them off. Cut off a lot of the relationship. Be a little bit more independent away from them. Wouldn't that be the thing to do? Why don't we go down that road? I don't understand. Why we continue to work with them while saying they're a threat and then they do selective rage and say, well, we don't have control over one aspect, which is content that 150 million Americans across the nation use through TikTok. We don't have the control to silence or ban quote-unquote misinformation or content we don't like. We can't promote our own propaganda as a government onto these social medias like we can on Facebook and on YouTube and on Google and everything else that we have around here. So therefore, we're going to be mad at that, but we're going to allow our business and dealings continue on with the country that we don't like because they're a bunch of crazy communists. I'm sensing a little bit of hypocrisy from our elected officials on both sides of the aisle on issues. Let me know if your thoughts, 316 if you agree or not, it's Candace Talk. Stay right here. Three minutes past the hour. Welcome back into the program. Rocking it today on a Saturday morning. Getting you up and moving for another day. That's what we do here on Kansas Talk. 1480 on the AM dial. 99.7 HD4 on the FM dial here in Wichita. Also on KIUL now in Garden City, Kansas on 1240 on the AM side. Welcome aboard. Good morning to you. Western Kansas where the radio career actually started right out of broadcasting school on KIUL. love you guys out there. And the fact that we're still on the air out there is awesome. Appreciate you guys. If you want to call in 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK and the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines, your thoughts agree, disagree with me. Is TikTok an issue that we need to be concerned about and banned in the, not just in like government officials, but actually private sector for average Americans because of the content? Now, look, uh, if you're not familiar with TikTok, there are many ways to personalize it. Uh, you can... Look, there are a lot of kids that do a lot of really stupid stuff on there and they drive me nuts, but nonetheless, there's still an opportunity for good stuff on there. I have for mine, my TikTok is filled with mostly like rock bands and stand up comedians and then like religious and philosophical and spiritual content, which is really awesome. My wife's TikTok is filled with nothing but like alternative medicines, holistic stuff, herbal remedies. Because she's an herbologist. That's what she does. And it's kind of cool talking to other herbologists and seeing the content they put out as well. So that's what hers is filled with. You can look at political things on there. You can look at conspiratorial things on there. You can look at fun entertainment stuff on there. You can look at business things on there uh, based on what you want to see with the algorithms that you create yourself. And it's anywhere between 15-second to three-minute videos. And it's kind of neat. But is it the threat that we need to ban? Get rid of TikTok because TikTok's evil. Cool. But why? Well, they're taking our information. So is our own government. They have been since the uh, really the Patriot Act back in 2001 after 9-11 and they haven't stopped. We have FISA courts. We have no no clue how they actually work. And they can tap in and turn on your microphone or our camera on your phone at any time that they want to and monitor what you're doing. We now have cameras on our smart TVs watching you eat Cheetos in your boxers every night. Because that's just what they think that they have the right to do, and then they sell it off to corporations that advertise to you more Cheetos. That's what we're up against right now, but yet we're concerned about TikTok? Come on, man. I don't think it makes any sense. Let's go to the phones here, shall we? 316 721 Line at number one. Good morning. Use this? Scott. Scott, what's going on, sir? How are we doing?
5: Well, I always say that all politics are local, and so... In the case of Wichita, they spent $5 million on their police department and the cop that caused them to spend this money is still employed with them. I don't know any businesses that would allow you to be employed if you cost them $5 million. I think that the main thing uh, people here have to worry about is uh, their public officials not so much the enemy without but the enemy within the enemy within it seems to be more of a threat than any enemy we got outside right now yeah. Because i mean the chinese it's going to take them a while to get here well let's you,
1: let's use, local local enfor- let's here, yeah, let's use law enforcement let's yeah let's use local law enforcement here for now. a second Let's let's use local law enforcement for a second here, because there's the new program that they're using uh, with the cameras in town for surveillance, and a lot of them are uh, have some type of sensor to them, to where if they hear a gunshot in the area, they automatically point towards that direction to try and catch what's going on. Is that a violation of privacy for average citizens?
5: Well, there's nothing new about that. I mean, they use it in, in other bigger cities, you know, for years now.
1: Yeah, but is uh, it a violation I don't of think, privacy? I don't
5: well, I don't think it's going to help anything because, like I said, police, for the most part, they manage uh, crime. They don't really try to solve it. They just manage it and, and make it to where they can can keep it going and at the same time make a profit. I mean, that's just how they operate. But, I mean, so, so, so any type of device, I mean, they spent a billion dollars in New York City. They can't even stop uh, a, probably a joint from coming into the town. They spent a billion dollars on their police department. So, I mean, they just throwing more and more money at a problem. And the society has to change. You can't allow police to solve all your problems. Police are not the answer to society's problems. Society has to put that money in a place where it can do better benefit. You know, if you got a community that's underprivileged, you need to put money in there just like you put money in the uh, privileged uh, community. And see the difference. Yeah. You'll see a difference
1: then. Well, People I I do dogs. agree. Businesses. Yeah, Scott, I, I do completely agree that putting more money in law enforcement, while obviously there's a need for law enforcement, but expanding law enforcement, making that the priority to try and keep a community safe – is not the way to go. And i got to give credit to our new police chief, Joe Sullivan, here in the community because he said, uh, especially with some of the kids that have been acting out and attacking law enforcement in the area over the last couple weeks, that he made the comment to parents, I need your help because we're not supposed to be enforcing this. We could get rid of this issue completely if we don't have kids that are attacking law enforcement to decide on whether how law enforcement should be reacting to children attacking them on that scenario. You're right, Scott. This comes down to the family unit. This comes down to the values. Again, this comes down to the private citizen knowing how to actually act in society and not just acting out and then wondering why law enforcement is such has such a heavy and big presence and we continue to sink money in that. So that's a great point. Scott, I appreciate that. we got to take a break here. Um, but Yeah there's always going to be a need for law enforcement. There's always going to be dumb people doing dumb things, but we don't hold ourselves accountable or responsible any longer. And that in return makes us need more law enforcement. And then we complain about needing more law enforcement. We got to look back at ourselves on that one. Look in the mirror, man the black lives matter movement originally talked about community-based policing that's cool if the community would actually do their community-based policing and hold their own members accountable in their community which hasn't happened so that idea is a good concept hasn't really worked out so far david schneider convention of states here in the state of kansas we'll talk with him when we come back after the break here on kansas talk stay right here
0: kansas talk with andy hoosier on the big talker
1: kqam darn right it is welcome back into the program thanks for hanging out today on a saturday morning get you up and moving for the day as usual it's what we do here and a lot of conversation going on social media TikTok, the banning of the chinese communist party jerry moran and a heck of a lot more we'll get into that Again, here in just a little bit, but I want to shift gears. I want to get some updates on our legislative session, kind of a weird session. We've done some really good stuff. We've done some interesting things, and we've done some things where you just scratch your head and say, what's going on here? Which is very strange for a legislature that's overwhelmingly Republican, but... It seems like even then, our Republican legislature has trouble getting over uh, getting over the hurdle on some uh, many Republican issues, for example, that I think we should have. I mean, obviously, we're moving forward with some tax bills, which is good, maybe some tax cuts, which would be nice, some consolidation of the tax rates in the state, which would be th- nice, I think. Uh, on the other hand, we have tabled the marijuana issue, and now we've uh, failed on the Convention of States movement again, as we've talked about throughout the years, with how many times we've tried this one, which is just another... Uh, scratching our head why in the world would we not want to move forward with something like this but the row rule which we'll talk about here in just a second has played another major part in not allowing us to move forward with jumping onto the national conventions of states movement so to talk about some of that and more he is the state director for the convention of states movement here in the state of kansas we've had him on the program many times before mr david schneider on the line with us here david what's going on brother good morning
3: Hey Andy, good to be with you on this fine Saturday.
1: Go, yeah. go K-State later today, man. Go K-State, man. Uh, going all the way to the Elite Eight. I just saw a headline actually this morning that a couple of the players there on K-State, that they are the kings of New York right now. They are dominating this and uh, it sounds like we may see them go maybe a little bit further.
3: Well, we certainly hope so. You know, when I was in the Capitol earlier this week, I got to see the K-State men's football, or of course the football team that was getting honored on the floor of the house. Got to give them all high fives. And I, I think everybody's excited about the, Elite Eight, that's for sure. I know they were talking about it, even though they were getting recognized for their Big 12 championship.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't follow a whole lot of sports, but it is really neat to see Kansas teams move forward that way. Uh, it it would have been nice if – I'm not a KU fan, per se, any, by any means, but you know it would have been nice to see KU go a little bit further. would have been also nice to see Wichita State actually get into the tournament this year, but I know they just announced their new uh, head coach as well, so maybe we can see the trifecta of all three teams making it into the tournament next year.
3: That would be wonderful to see again.
1: Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Let's talk some legislative stuff uh, before we get into the convention of states movement and, and what's going on there. Just the legislative session in general. I know you're up there quite a bit, focusing primarily on this issue. But some of the other stuff that you've seen, have you been happy with the way the session's going this year? Is a little bit different this year. What's your thoughts?
3: You know, it is a little different, but it's not all bad, that's for sure. They've done some really good stuff, um, and I what I've been able to see is the House and Senate really get along for the most part, which in prior years hasn't necessarily happened. Um, you know, they are the uh, opposing party from our wonderful governor, <laughs> and uh, so th- they're trying to operate in a, in a two-thirds m- uh Environment everything they do has to garner two-thirds to overturn you know a, a, a expected veto so yeah. it's very hard to gather those two-thirds and again that's the same thing conventional states dealing with as well so uh, that two-thirds just doesn't hold together as Republicans like it should and uh, that's yeah, you know that's because we have a Democrat sitting in our governor's office.
1: Yeah, that is very true. I I have to say though, I am very impressed and very happy with our leadership. I mean, Dan Hawkins, new speaker of the House, is amazing. Here from the Wichita area and a good friend. We'll get him back on the show again soon. Time Masterson, rocking it on the pre- uh, president side. I mean, these are solid conservative guys in both chambers that are really, um, really hoping to curb the landscape here. So I've been happy with that, and hopefully that continues on as well.
3: I agree. You know. They were big champions for convention states this year and actually were able to (laughs) work together to get convention states a vote in the House and the Senate the exact same day. That's never – I've never had that kind of support anywhere in any of the states I've ever operated in. Of course, my home state, it's it's pretty special to get uh, that kind of treatment at the the House and being able to bring both the House and Senate together on the same thing the same day. So our grassroots got to have a rally last week, enjoyed, um, you know – rock star status almost we we did pack the gallery in both chambers and were able to witness uh, the votes so it was pretty cool
1: that is amazing that's really good to hear so talk about what happened with this vote this year it was what we were concerned about i think when we had you on at the beginning of the session about when you guys were working on this but uh so it came to fruition but for those that don't know maybe haven't heard maybe some of the new listeners talk about what happened and what is this row rule here in the state of kansas
3: Well, first of all, calling an Article Five Convention of States is is an act of the U.S. Constitution. That's where the power comes from to be able to do such a thing. And unfortunately, the Kansas Constitution has this two-thirds provision in it that uh, says that when they make application for a convention, they have to that's required to have two-thirds. Now that earlier this year, there was also an additional rule in the Kansas er, in the House rules, and we were able to change those rules, or at least get them to reflect. And talk about the Kansas Constitution being the only limiting factor. Well, there is some precedence that um, a, a, a prior legislature cannot restrict a current legislature's right to act on a federal function, such as calling a convention of state. So we're not done with this. We may have uh, some legal ramifications in this, but uh, we're exploring all options. The bl- bottom line is, you know, uh, we It does disenfranchise Kansas from being able to join the other sister states in this movement, and we're going to do everything possible. You know, I'm very proud of the bipartisan support. We actually have majority support in both chambers. Now, not bipartisan in both both chambers, but we did have two, I think, two Democrats vote for us in the House. Um, Otherwise, you know, all the Democrats voted against in the Senate, as well as uh, too many of the Republicans. So we didn't have the two-thirds, but we did have a a majority of both chambers that support this. And I'll be working hard with legislators to finally rid the Kansas of the disenfranchisement of the legacy of the two-thirds vote rule. It's time to re-recognize Kansas has equality in exercising federal functions guaranteed in Article 5. Of the U.S. Constitution.
1: Yeah. Is this something that we could get around that by maybe putting it on a ballot measure, by getting petitions and getting enough signatures in to actually get it on a ballot for the people? I mean, is that an option we could go for instead of going through the legislature?
3: Well, it's still an act of the legislature. didn't yeah. before the the voters in the state of Kansas, you do have to have a two-thirds majority vote in both chambers before it goes to the voters. So sure. there's no way of getting around that, uh, and not in the state of Kansas, at least. Some so other close. states have you know, initiated measures and things of that sort. But we do not have those those measures here in Kansas.
1: Yeah, that is unfortunate. Like you said, though, the fact that a couple of Democrats had voted for this measure, too, I am a little bit shocked that there's actually a bit of a breaking of the Democrat ranks here in the state because we've seen on numerous different issues with this issue now, with the school choice bill, with the women in sports bill. We're seeing Democrats actually shift sides over to the Republican ranks and voting with Republicans, especially in the House of Representatives. And it looks like uh, Governor Kelly may be losing her caucus just a little bit. Doesn't it seem like that?
3: I wouldn't be saying quite that yet. I mean, uh, we do have one or two uh, Dems uh, in the in the House of Representatives that uh, seem to be a little, have some sense and understand that uh, they can't be as, as uh, left as as the governor seems to have wanted to be. Sure. Uh, but I would say the caucus is sticking together pretty good, uh, unlike the Republican caucus, uh, which we can't, you know, always keep together at two-thirds, i say we have way more split on the Republican side than the Dem- Democrats do.
1: Sure, that is very true. Moving forward with this, obviously, is it dead this session, or is there any way to try and bring it back again this year?
3: It's officially dead. Uh, this this session, uh, we did have a, a vote in the House and the Senate, and both were ruled not passed. Again, we had majority votes. Now, it wasn't even close. I mean, we um, I think we had we ended up with 74 votes in the House. Um, so you know, absolutely clear majority. You know, we had 22 votes in the Senate, but we had a couple of those gone. Um, so we would have been a little bit better. Uh, had all the senators been there. But uh, certainly not the 27 we needed to get to the two-thirds.
1: Yeah, that's unfortunate. So now going into next year, I know that obviously it's going to be top of mind. You're already working on trying to prepare for that one. What's the next step? What do we have to do to try and get this through? Is it just working before we even try and present the bill to try and get rid of the row rule? Is it trying to just get enough votes to override it and make sure that we comply with the row rule and just uh, and just move forward that way? What's What's the focal point? How do we start making this happen?
3: I'm absolutely exploring all options to eliminate the real rule, which could include uh, legal action. Just don't know yet. Um, there's, a, 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 there's a question of standing. Who would have standing in such measure? So we're uh, talking with our legal uh, advisors on this and, and talking with uh, other folks that uh, have the experience in, in litigating these type of things. But the bottom line is Kansas is being disenfranchised. The fact that Oklahoma – Nebraska, Missouri has been able to join this this effort, all of our neighboring states uh, with a simple majority, yet uh, here we are stuck in a in quagmire of trying to get over this two-thirds <laughs> pump.
1: Yeah, that was going to be my next question, is what other states around the Minute region have actually done this? Because it seems like, like I said, we are the trendsetters and the forefront fighters on many issues in the state of Kansas. On other issues, we seem to be lagging quite a bit. I mean, we're only one of three states that haven't done anything on marijuana on a medical or recreational front. Convention of states we have a hard time with. Uh, There's just a couple of issues to where we're just kind of the slow part of class trying to get on board with some of these things.
3: It is frustrating, uh, but certainly our grassroots are more more dedicated than ever. I mean, the fact is we have 40,000 Kansans that have been working on this effort, you know, now for 10 years. And I've had the pleasure of helping six other states get on board with this effort. But yet my home state still, we struggle, but it's okay. Uh, we're going to get there. And uh, we know that uh, we have to get to a convention of states. We have to rein in the federal government. There is no other option. I mean, you start looking at the options that are on the table. This is the best of all the options.
1: Best opportunity we have. I love it. David Schneider, State uh, State Director for the Convention of States Movement. You can find him online, learn about uh, what convention states are doing, as always. David, always good to talk to you, my friend. We're out of time. Let's get you back on the show again real soon, brother.
3: All right. Thanks, Andy.
1: Always good to chat with you. There it is. David Schneider, State Director for Convention of States. Man, another year. Banging our head against the wall on that one. It's frustrating. We'll get there, though. We'll get there. Do not give up, my friends. And I know he's not going to in any way, shape, or form. We'll take a break here right around the corner. Wrap up hour number one of kansas Talk right here on KQAM. And now our friends over at KIUL out in Garden City as well. Hang tight. We're talking again with the AARP, whether it's the Fraud Watch Network Retirement Calculator getting involved in the community. Make sure to check them out online, aarp.org, slash KS for the State of Kansas. Also find them and follow them on their social media as well. And on the line with us this week, Mary's back with us. Mary, how are you today?
4: I'm doing well, Annie. It's a little gloomy today, but that's okay. We'll get through it.
1: That's right. We'll get through it. At least it's starting to warm up, which is Uh, Nice for sure. Uh, We talk a lot about the Fraud Watch Network and all the scams going on out there. And, man, they are ramping up their scams constantly. I've been getting emails and text messages and phone calls. Luckily, my phone says potential scams, so I don't even answer my phone half the time anymore. But we're seeing a major blast out there on all different types of platforms with individuals trying to scam you in some way, shape, or form.
4: That's exactly right, Andy, and you hit the nail on the head. It, you know, you cannot answer your phone, but you're going to get the text. So you've got to decide whether to delete it right away or whether you're going to click that link. And we're here to tell you, do not click that link. <laughs>
1: mm, yeah. What are they texting? Are there certain themes or are there certain, uh, obviously going into uh, spring season or tax season, are there certain scams that they're really trying to focus on right now that are relevant to this time?
4: You know, um, you can get a text about anything. Some are relevant to the time during tax seasons. But for example, um, we just got one the other night that said that our, our our account, our Netflix account, was on hold, and they were having trouble with our billing information. So you think, oh no, they got to I got to make sure they have my my correct information so I can continue to watch. Um, so, but be very careful because when you look through the link, it'll say you're. Recovery your recovery your account, not recover your account. So you got to see even the the, the uh, correct grammar isn't used. And then you look down at the link and it's Netflix.com, but it has a lot of other stuff behind it that wouldn't normally be there. Um, they tell you take immediate action within 48 hours, or you're gonna. Um, you know, your account is going to be suspended. So that's got all the elements. You know, contacting you. It's got the wrong um, grammar in it. It it, it tries to heighten your emotions by, oh no, my billing information is wrong. Oh no, they're going to suspend my account. That's exactly what they're trying to do to get you in that state where you're excited and you're going to take action instead of stepping back. Thinking about it, looking what's really what they're really saying, and have you ever gotten one of these before from Netflix? So um, we want to uh, warn people to be very, very careful about that. But yeah. the good news is is that the FCC is um, going to start doing something about it. They're they're ordering mobile home companies to block spam text. So um, th- they said Americans receive 225 billion robotechs <clears throat> each year. Wow! And that's much more than spam calls. So, um, so it's a really good thing that the agency is requiring mobile carriers to block those texts from from illegitimate phone numbers. Sure. Which, when you look on it on your phone, they display as numbers from unused lines and landlines and and things that may look
1: legitimate, but they're not. Yeah. Yeah, the latest one I know, and and luckily they're starting to crack down on some of this because I know just in the last year or two release when they started changing it to make some of these scam calls look like they're local with your local area code even
4: that's exactly right. You know, you can think that oh my gosh, this must be the doctor's office or my friend calling or, you know, it's it's in an area code that I recognize, so maybe it's somebody that I know. It's always, you know, you always want to think that that it's something that you need to answer. They're always going to make you think that. And that's when you just have to stop. Especially with the text, you can stop. There's no one talking to you. No. You just step back. Look at it, think about it, and and chances are likely if you don't recognize um, the 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 uh, email they're asking you to click on, please do not click on it.
1: Yeah, that is The SEC reported a five a five
4: hundred percent increase in text scam complaints from twenty fifteen to twenty twenty two. So um, I mean it's it's increasing. Um, so people really really need to be aware of it.
1: You do need to be aware of it. It's just as dangerous as clicking the link on your laptop. I mean, I'm sure that uh, something like that puts, what, malware on your phone to be able to collect information or monitor your apps? Or I'm not even sure what some of these do.
4: It can do anything. Most likely, they're just trying to get information from you. They they want you to be – they want to tell you, you know, your account is in arrears. Can you give us a better credit card number? Can you give us your bank account number? Can you, you know, tell, tell us something about yourself so that we can go on and scam you? So it's really to get you in a heightened state of emotion, to get you to give them information that you should not be giving out. Personal information about account numbers, name, address, all kinds of things that they can use to scam you.
1: Wow, how scary. If people want to learn more about some of the scams that are ongoing or to report a scam to you guys, how can they do so?
4: They can go on our AARP Fraud Watch Network, and that can be found online at slash fraud. And it takes you to a website um, with AARP that can, it has a scam tracker, a map that can tell you what scams are in your area. It talks about what the latest scams are. Um, it provides information for you if you if you want to ask about a scam. We also have a helpline um, that we that people can call and just talk to a real person about what may have happened to you um, and what the next steps uh, to take are. And that number is eight seven seven nine zero eight three three six zero.
1: There it is. That is the AARP. We appreciate them very much. Give them a check out. AARP.org slash KS for the state of Kansas. All that great information as they try and keep us safe from all those scams going on. Hour number two of Kansas Talk right around the corner as we talk with Stephen Johnson, state treasurer. We'll talk about the financial security of the nation as the banks fail all around us. Lots more coming up here on a Saturday for Kansas Talk. Stay right here. Unfiltered. do right, it is welcome back into the program it is a Saturday morning hour number two moving right along through the day here thanks for hanging out with us as always we love you to death and good morning man so much ground covered so much more to get to today as we move through a very busy state of Kansas legislative session 2023 and a heck of a lot more welcome into it 316 talk if you want to join into the program we would love to hear from you today but i don't want to waste any time as we just sat down a couple days ago to get the latest as you know the financial market's kind of in a turmoil and a tizzy right now with the stock market and the failing of two major banks the silicon valley bank and the bank in new york and now first republic bank getting bailed out more banks in europe getting bailed out as well as they were on the verge of collapse what's going on with our financial markets are you okay with your money in the bank and what the heck's going on there, we sat down with our very own Kansas State Treasurer Stephen Johnson to talk about these issues and a heck of a lot more. And this is what he had to say. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today on a, another Saturday. Great to have you for Kansas Talk on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Uh, excited to have this guy back on the program. Been a little bit as he's getting all settled in, and it's not an easy slow ride this year, especially with what's going on economically. We had to get him back on to get an update. Our state treasurer for the great state of Kansas, Mr. Stephen Johnson, back on the line with us here. Stephen, how are you, my friend?
6: great it is great to be with you and it's great to be here so thanks for the chance to catch up with you and everybody that's listening
1: yeah it's always good to chat with you i i am so happy that you're in there rocking this one it's been uh, a heck of a way to kick off you've kind of been baptized under fire so to speak kicking off and getting into the seat uh so before we talk about some of these issues how is it getting settled in and handling the economic quote-unquote crises that we're seeing across the nation
6: Well, there were a lot of things to pay attention to, but it it was a good fit, uh, a chance to sit down. We have a lot of great people that are here to work with. But making sure that we know that every dollar is at work with the interest rate increases, it has been a great reward for the state in terms of our cash balances, which are healthy. And uh, uh, that's been one of the primary focuses that we've had is just to make sure that everything is
1: hard at work. Sure, absolutely. Let's start there. Let's talk about interest rate hikes. We saw just this week the Federal Reserve raising interest rates again as they continue to try and price people out of the market nationwide because they, uh, they're they dumbfounded. We see lack of GDP growth two quarters in a row last year, which by definition would mean a recession in the country to some degree, but they say that individuals aren't slowing down their spending habits and that's what they're needing to do to try and slow down what they say is this high inflation What does that mean for the state of Kansas now that we're going up to like four and three quarters of a percent, which we haven't seen in a good while?
6: Well, I I want to pile on a bit. The the activities of the Fed created the problem with the low rates that they had arguably for too long, in my opinion, and then too fast, too far uh, on the increase to create the opposite problem, both of those are are a challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, However, from the very myopic perspective of the state view, uh, our money is liquid. We have the cash that we need. We've got about 2.4 billion right now that is invested just in the overnight, which is well over what our cash needs are for the foreseeable future. But we're rewarded in that. Because the Fed has raised that rate, we've been getting four and a half percent. that's probably going to move to four and three quarters um, in our overnight repurchase agreements. That adds up to a lot of money when you're working with a total of about eight
1: billion dollars. Sure. Yeah, that is going to help quite dramatically. You mentioned that we have this surplus right now. The legislature is working on their budget for the upcoming years. They're working on potentially uh, doing the flat tax, so to speak, uh, as well, and trying to figure out what to do with all the surplus that we have in the state budget right now, whether it's sitting it in the emergency rainy day fund, whether it's putting it onto capers, whether it's expanding government services. What's the latest conversation that you've heard? And as the treasurer who handles the money and wants to make sure that we're in a stable situation here in the state, what would you recommend and what have you been talking to legislators about?
6: Well, spent yesterday talking to a number of legislators and they've been working hard on the budget and trying to make everything balance out. With the inflation and a lot of our uh, our budget is on salaries and those wages going up, while we do have surplus revenues now, it is hard to hang on to them. So most of the runs, those surpluses disappear over about two years. Mm -hmm. So it looks like we're in pretty good shape. It looks like we can continue to invest those dollars short-term here. One of the things that I have encouraged them to continue to look at is where we can do debt reduction. Uh, When you have revenue over projection, one good use of that is to pay that down. Uh, one additional revenue we have is about $300 million in interest on our checking account that will come in this year. I don't expect that to continue to be there, but using that towards debt reduction, I think, is a useful strategy for the state, and there are a number of folks that are interested in that. Not a lot of things we can do with it, but paying down capers is always a place where more dollars can be put to work, and uh, we've gotten to good shape there, it's not critical, still a good thing to do with the dollars, uh, a higher return over time than we'd be able to have in, say, the rainy day fund. Yeah. While we can get great returns today, probably won't be staying there over two and three years.
1: Sure, that is very true. There's no conversation right now about re-amortizing CAPERS. Is there, I know, that was a conversation that Governor Kelly has had over her uh, tenure as governor over the last few years. So is that still something uh, in conversation, or are we doing good now that we're looking at paying ahead on CAPERS?
6: Well, it's been moved to the back burner. Uh, however, the Capers Board has the authority to amortize and reamortize, and when they changed the investment return assumption, not quite a year ago, from seven and three quarter to seven. Interestingly enough, the runs they're showing now show returns over eight percent over the next ten and twenty years. Nonetheless, when they reduced that return assumption they did reamortize to keep the total payment required from the legislature at roughly just over $700 million. So uh, it was done much more quietly. They extended it seven years, and that with the reduced return assumption and extending the amortization kept the payment each year about level.
1: Good. That is good news. Uh, The COVID-19 relief funding that's come into the state, which I know we received a lot of that, our big concern, my big concern, was the fact that we would expand the size of government with these one-time payments to where once that money runs out, we'd be scrambling to have to find a way to pay for the programs that we've increased or started new departments or done whatever. Uh, From your opinion, have we done well at maintaining the lack of government expansion that would lead to additional spending down the road when that money runs out?
6: I think so. Um, The legislature did work really hard to say, where do we have those one-time expenses? How do we make sure they don't fold into the budget? One thing that will be hard to pull out of that is the wage inflation in the ongoing government Mm -hmm. may give the illusion that some of that has stayed around, but I think they have done a good job at separating that. I might say clearly that I don't think the federal government has done as good a job of that. <laughs> I think we just turned in a budget that's even larger than the budget we had through the pandemic, which is a frightening thought.
1: Yeah, it's weird. It's uh, They think that they can just continue it on. Once the federal government's gotten that power, man, they don't let go at all, and they haven't decreased at all. The weird part is they haven't spent all of their COVID-19 money, nor have they spent all of their Inflation Reduction Act money, nor, I believe, they haven't spent all of their uh, infrastructure money as well. But they continue to ask for more when they haven't figured out how to spend the money they've already allotted to themselves.
6: And how to make sure that even if in those allotments it's spent wisely. Um, uh, a lot of challenges there. But um, being focused on what we do here, uh, yeah. thankful that, that we've got some rain on spending and very thankful that in the current state, we're in good shape uh finances and a uh, great shape in order to be able to pay our bills in the foreseeable future
1: good that is good news uh while we're on the national front i want to get your thoughts as well on how it's uh, could be potentially affecting the state of Kansas. we've seen in the headlines The last week or so about the banks that are failing. We have the Silicon Valley Bank out in California that's going under the federal government bailing them out. We have the bank in New York. We have another bank that uh, just got bought out. And we see now banks over in Europe as well that are struggling to get bought out by uh, competitors and kind of keeping them afloat. Is that a concern with the banking here in Kansas while the government's bailing out some of the big ones, putting more strain on smaller banks and state banks across the nation? Is that a cause for concern here in Kansas?
6: It's a cause for concern. Our our Kansas banks are well-capitalized, specifically to the state funds. Everything has to be fully collateralized dollar for dollar, even in the overnight. Um, And our risk there is very low, since it is our cash again in the morning. Mm -hmm. But um, that collateralization requirement takes care of what we have in the state, as well as having very short-term uh, assets in the portfolio. As we move that to the state banks, there's a variety of where they are at, how many of them had uh, longer bonds in their portfolios and may face a liquidity crisis. Uh, unlike Silicon Valley Bank, which had a bunch of tech customers, unlike Signature, which had exposure to crypto the diversification that we have, I don't think lends itself to a group of depositors who are likely to pull their money in a short term and exacerbate that credit crunch for any of our Kansas banks. All of the reports that I have heard have been positive. I won't pretend that I understand all of the balance sheet well enough to uh, uh, prognosticate that no one can have an issue. But In the midst of this issue, I can say there are a few places I would rather be than Kansas um, in our ability to weather the storm.
1: Yeah, that is very true. The the weird part is, especially with the Silicon Valley Bank, when the government said that they were going to bail out everybody that had money in there, even above the $250,000 FDIC Uh, insurance policy, which I was a banker for a short time, and I remember telling people, hey, don't put more than $250,000 in the bank because if you lose it or the bank closes or whatever may happen, the federal government only insures you up to that amount. Why do you think the federal government's bailing out more than that $250,000, and does that change the insurance policies that banks have across the nation, do you think?
6: It is concerning when you change the rules in the middle of the game to um (laughs) – Perhaps win favor. I certainly see that there is value in it. The challenge is value has to come from somewhere. I am not sure there is enough value in it to extract that from the other players that it has to come from, whether it's taxpayers, whether it's depositors. As the deposit insurance cost goes up, it is not a free action, and therefore I would be very hesitant to recommend that as a path. Um, or to have confidence that your your deposits over two hundred and fifty thousand will be guaranteed, so um, uh, I I would certainly caution against that that type of a strategy.
1: All right, there it is. That's Kansas State Treasurer Steven Johnson. we got a few minutes left of that interview we'll do when we come back here in just a minute as we got to take a break here uh, right around the corner. But I want to hear your thoughts. Is it a concern for you on the financial institution right now, the stock market that's struggling right now as we continue to battle the high inflation? The Federal Reserve has continued to raise interest rates. They made their another announcement of another quarter percent interest rate hike and as he said, maybe it's due, maybe it was too low for too long, but at that same time, many businesses and banks, especially with those low interest rates, took advantage of it, lending out more money than what they should have done, and now they're reaping the repercussions of that because now many of their loans out there are unable to be paid back, and they're losing that money as that a cause for concern. Your thoughts on that at 316-721-8255. 316 talk will continue with part number two of our state treasurer, Stephen Johnson, right around the corner here on Kansas Talk on The Big Talker, KQAM. Stay right here. 24 minutes past the hour. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM in Wichita, Kansas. Rocking it, baby, as we continue on for another Saturday morning here. By the way, a quick legislative update for you. Kansas lawmakers say they are working on the Born Alive abortion bill, meaning that if you try to have an abortion performed, which we are now kind of the, I guess, safe haven, if you want to call it that, for abortions after the vote last year. Uh, the uh, uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned at the federal level from SCOTUS and then uh, the state of Kansas voting on whether the Supreme Court can have the decision or the legislature should have the decision on abortion. And we chose the Supreme Court to still maintain that, which they say is a constitutionally protected right in the state of Kansas. Now we're kind of the safe haven for the Mid-America region. Whether you like that or not, that's your prerogative. But that's where we're at now. Lawmakers now trying to work on a born-alive bill, saying that if you do have an abortion performed and the child is still alive, alive at the end of it that it has a right to live or it could not and it'll just fade away and die, I guess. I guess that's where uh, some people's morality or, or levels of Uh, Consciousness is uh, where they draw the line on that one. So kind of an interesting bill. We'll see where that one ends up and whether Governor Kelly will support that if it gets to her desk or not. We've got a few minutes left with part two of our interview with State uh, Treasurer Stephen Johnson as we talk about some of the financial issues here in the state of Kansas as we continue on with our conversation. Yeah, it's very strange. We're talking about State uh, State Treasurer Stephen Johnson here for the state of Kansas. A couple more minutes with you, and I appreciate your time. A lot of information Going on right now, we see the month-over-month month reports coming from your office regarding the tax revenues in the state, which it sounds like we're still doing well. We're seeing tax revenues on a monthly basis continue to do well or grow month-over-month month. Uh, right now. If we do any of the tax changes, like, say, the uh, getting rid of the sales tax on food, getting rid of the sales tax on certain products like Governor Kelly's proposed, or even doing the flat tax overall for state income taxes— Uh, Do you think that the state's going to take a hit on tax revenue there, or is it going to help grow the economy enough to where we're going to see some increases in tax revenue come in?
6: I would expect that the tax cuts would give us uh, the corresponding decrease in tax revenue. As you mentioned, our receipts have continued to be strong. We're really going to want to watch the April uh, consensus revenue estimate when that comes out to see if that growth is continuing and we can... Uh, be optimistic going forward, I would expect it to start to weaken and to be uh, an environment where we are not getting revenues above estimates going forward beyond our April estimate. I think we're going to level out there. I hope we can hang on and not decrease. Uh, That just gives us a caution on our tax cuts to make sure that we do all of those things in balance. Currently, we have room to cut taxes. And we just have to be smart in saying, here are the ones that we are going to choose to reduce and uh, do that in a manner that the, the expenses can still be met going forward. But good news, we've got room to do tax cuts we've got a number of great ideas going on in the legislature currently, and I know they'll be working on betting which ones of those are going to make it all the way to the finish line uh, to give some tax relief to, to people across
1: Kansas. Sure. Well, and like you said, the good news is we're in that position to do it. So as we have that latency period between Cutting the taxes, which results in the cutting of the revenue, but then also that gives us the tax incentives to hopefully grow the state, get more people in here, get more businesses to invest in here. And then by the time that we may start hurting, the economy may change or the recession hits or whatever potentially may happen, we're in a position where we see those revenues continue to increase by that time with the growth of the state. And that's the goal, isn't it?
6: And that is the goal, and hopefully we can do some debt reduction along the way, as we did some massive debt reduction over the last year. Over a billion and reduced uh, CAPERS debt will be a huge help going forward. If we can continue to make progress on that, the legislature's wisdom in having the rainy day fund uh, to help continue with the state costs without having to have a knee-jerk reaction of grabbing more revenue when the economy is down. I think all of those things will serve us well as we go forward.
1: I love it. Last question for you. It's Stephen Johnson, state treasurer for the state of Kansas. Uh, But it sounds like everything's going well with the economy, with things right now, which is good news for Kansas. Are you guys still working on some of the unclaimed property across the state? I know you guys, uh, the the, the office has been working on that uh, pretty heavily the last few years.
6: And that's been one of the fun things is actually giving and their money back. So um, we have our, our number of claims have increased. And frankly, our partners like you and the media have been a key to that. Uh, the TV station here did a little story on unclaimed property day. Our average online claims went from 62 a day to 900 a day, thanks to their effort just to get the word out. So every yeah. time somebody can just hear... Go to KansasCash.ks.gov. Type in your name. Remember to type in a maiden name. Uh, see if you can find some of that, and if we can get it back into your pocket.
1: That's what it's all about. I love a Stephen Johnson, State Treasurer. Keep up the fight, my friend. Don't let them grow the state government. Don't let them grow those bureaucratic agencies. Just refuse to sign that check if they make you. That's, that's you what bet. I'm
6: gonna keep going over there and begging for debt reduction.
1: That's what it's all about. I love us, Stephen. Keep up the fight, my friend. We appreciate all the time. Let's get you back on and get another update soon.
6: Thanks so much. Take care.
0: You're listening to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on The Big Talker, KQAM.
1: Darn right you are. Welcome back into it. On the home front here, the last half hour of the program coming into... uh, Another Saturday morning as you're getting up and moving to it. Welcome into it. Hailing out of Wichita, I do want to welcome again K-I-U-L out in Garden City. Hanging out with us as well from now on, 1240 in the AM dial, where all the radio career started, and we're back at it out there. So welcome aboard. Happy Saturday to you. 316 721 255 316 talk if you want to join in. Don't want to waste any time. Get right into our next interview here. As just a couple days ago, we sat down with May Mailman. She is with the Independent Women's law center as she's been crafting one of the bills here in our state legislature a native of kansas as well hailing from the kansas city area and lawrence area especially as she's helped write the sb 180 that is defining the genders of men and women said that we even have to have a piece of legislation like that but apparently we do in today's times and we sat down with her to talk about where that bill is and why it's getting such national attention may how are you today
7: I'm great. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, excited to have you on. First off, uh, welcome back to the Airwaves in Kansas. I know you're not in Kansas right now, but uh you got to miss Kansas a little bit, don't you?
7: I do. I miss uh Jayhawk basketball games a lot <laughs> and um yeah, it's it's a great day. I miss Kansas Day in Topeka, the best day that there is. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kansas is a Great Day.
1: It is a great state. Right in the heartland, I think everybody wishes deep down, even if they've never been here, they wish to be in the state of Kansas. Let's talk about this issue because, like I said in the intro, we've fallen behind on some issues. I think the marijuana issue, which our legislature doesn't want to address or talk about, and they just kind of put it under the table year after year, is something where we're not quite up on the times with. But this one, we were front and center, and we were one of the first states, after the reversal of Roe v. Wade, to try and do a constitutional amendment, giving power back to the legislature on a board laws in the state of Kansas. Now we're uh we have these couple different bills in our state legislature on women's bill of rights. Uh where are we with these bills and why is it causing so much controversy on the national scale right now?
7: Yeah, so as you said, Kansas is a leader. The Kansas Senate was the first chamber to pass uh out of at least that chamber the definition of a woman. So the House kansas house still needs to vote on it and then laura kelly needs to sign it of course governor kelly campaigned on she knows the difference between a man and a woman and she's not going to let men play women's sports but then when that bill comes to her again she vetoes it so that's just what we call lying to the public (laughs) and uh she apparently is not going to be held accountable for it although she should but The bill that I am working on is, as you said, Senate Bill 180, very common sense. Uh, There's a lot of polling that say Kansans understand the need for women's only spaces. Obviously, women should not have to need to justify the need for women's only spaces. Um, And it, it just would give some clarity because when you don't have a definition of woman, then guess who can jigger with that everyone and so the governor can say you know what we're going to do we're going to let men be in women's prisons which is a thing that happens in Kansas and in other states uh they can say men can play women's sports they can really mess around with it so when you have a definition then the legislature would have to speak clearly when they say you know what we're actually not going to have women's sports in Kansas we're going to have women plus men who have taken certain drugs okay great so the you know nothing is settled it just defines women and then it puts the burden on the legislature to say what they mean clearly
1: yeah as you mentioned it goes beyond just the sports thing which i don't know how many trans athletes in the state of kansas specifically are trying to play as women as a real man trying to play in women's sports i don't know how many are happening Uh, i i can't think of Many cases where that's actually happening, but it is good to define this, but it goes beyond just the athletic side of it for a second, like you mentioned with the prisons with a man going into the woman's prison. But doesn't this also affect issues of if we truly honestly try to say, well, if you're a a male, a biological male trying to pretend to be a woman. Um, Then, when you apply for jobs or when you try to apply for college or when you would try to apply for scholarships or for grants or for whatever. I mean, doesn't this open up the Pandora's box of just weirdness to where you could apply for all the stuff when that's truly not who you are?
7: Absolutely. So there's been some focus on scholarships and opportunity for women to be more involved in STEM fields, so science, technology, math, those type of areas. Um, and women are able to have not just affinity groups, like when you get to college, you can be part of women who code or whatever, but also specific uh, scholarship opportunities. Yeah. You can bet that if you don't define what a woman is, that those opportunities will go to men. And I think there has been uh, from the left a lot of, well, we haven't Dean that be abused yet okay well maybe it hasn't hit the media yet but why would you wait until someone has a scholarship opportunity ripped from them why would you wait to harm a woman before you go and speak like why are you waiting for girls to get abused by the system that doesn't make any sense to me
1: no, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, and uh, and I've asked this question every time we bring up this topic. The actual feminist movements in the nation, the radical left wing, progressive feminists, where women can do anything a man can do, and even better because men are just evil, horrible human beings, and you know toxic masculinity and all this other garbage. When they talk about this issue, where do they stand? Because obviously, feminism grew for a while, trying to bring women to the forefront and not be behind men in society. Are they on board with, you know, you're welcome to come over with us because you recognize how awesome we are? Or are they upset and saying, wait a second, you're taking away all the stuff we've worked so hard to try to accomplish by a man coming in and dominating again?
4: So
7: this issue is bipartisan. The uh, the feminists on the left are actually with the conservatives on the right, in In uh, the main group is called the Women's Liberation Front and they agree that women are deserving of protection they focus on you know different things than conservatives do i think uh for them lesbians are don't need to have their space their dating apps etc invaded by men I think they would focus a lot more on discrimination in the workplace and things like that, where women do need specific protections. And then if you need to protect women, you have to know what a woman is. So I think uh, the media would portray this as, oh, a reasonable person or the left doesn't agree with this. They think that a woman should be you know, whatever you think it is. But that's not actually true. The right and the left agree. They all know what a woman is and it is the radicals, it is very progressive leftists who don't even really, I think, know what their agenda is. It's just they know that they need to attack anything that the right says must be bad, so so they've got to attack it. And you just end up in this very bizarre space because it's like that's not how Kansans think. That's not what's good for women. Uh, but I, I think we saw this with COVID. Well, if the Republicans say it might come from a lab, then that must be wrong, and we've got to attack it, even though that's just you know not how people think. It's not
1: true. Exactly. Do you think that they're just, I mean, it almost sounds like they're almost running out of things to complain about. Obviously, there's a lot of things to fix in the nation, a lot of things to make better, a lot of things to complain about or challenge or at least even question within the system, uh, The and I use the air quotes, the system in the country, but is this just almost even like a, f- first world problem to where we've run out of woke things to try and change because we want to be like our parents and our grandparents who were the, the icons of protests and changing the world around us. And they've kind of run out of things to do. So this is just the next best one they could find.
7: Yeah, I do think that when you have a nation that is as well off um, as we are, that you end up making people's lives worse because of all your free time to think about things. And so we have to ruin what words mean. I mean, this is something that a starving nation would never (laughs) engage in. Um, And yeah, it, there is, I think there are academics who have been talking about this for a very long time, that words, are oppressive uh you know these types of things that only a a professor could say and it hadn't really hit the mainstream until recently but i think you're right it just shows that uh the people on the left need to find jobs need to have families they need to provide for their families they they need to have some sort of day-to-day area to focus their attention because you know, making a mockery of the English language, it, it just should not be on anyone's priority list.
1: <laughs> Again, the other side is saying that all of this is nothing more than just transphobia. So the question is, is it truly hating on someone that believes that there's something else, or is it just their, obviously their go-to whenever they're losing an argument to just fall back on emotion and name-calling?
7: Right. So I think name-calling is exactly uh, right, and it's important to notice that because When uh, we say, here are the things that we want, we want women to have Girl Scouts, we want women to have uh, women's prisons, we want women to have domestic violence shelters, things that people definitely agree with. And then the other side says, you are anti-trans, you are a transphobe, (laughs) and then the debate just stops say, no, no, no. Like, let's talk about it. Let's talk about what should be the case and how the process should work. So a lot of this anti-trans stuff is just an opportunity to shut down the conversation. And I have never been around any person on this side of the debate that just doesn't like trans people and is engaged in this to have some sort of discriminatory purpose. It is this is, you know, how I think the world should be, but, but let's talk about it. And what I think is great about the Women's Bill of Rights is it is a let's talk about it. So once you know what a woman is, once you have defined it, then you can define how spaces should look. So if you think that domestic violence shelters should be co-ed, then you can just
1: legislate that they are co-ed. That's That's May Mayland again with the Independent Women's Forum. Had to cut that one a little bit short with our breaks. But interesting information as we continue on with the legislation here in the state of Kansas. That's more coming up. Stay here. Program last few minutes of the show. Boy, it flies right on by, man. Two hours of broadcasting something, (laughs) whether you want to call it excellence or not, not quite sure on that one, but it is open line to you for the last couple minutes. 316 721 8255. 316 721 talk. If you want to join into our maximum outdoor equipment hotlines, we would love to hear from you on any of the topics we've covered today. We've covered a lot of ground. The convention of states movement still not getting off the ground here in the state of Kansas, which is very strange to me. I don't know why we balk so much at the Convention of States here in Canada, which I think, honestly, the majority of the voters enjoy the Convention of States movement, but we just can't get past the row rule, needing two-thirds of both chambers to pass it, and just not quite there yet. So we're getting there. There are a couple few uh, Republican holdouts in the legislature in both chambers right now, and I'm not quite sure why. There are some concepts and concerns If we join a convention of states at a federal level, that we would would use the power for evil, so to speak. We would actually grow the size of government. We would do certain things, and it wouldn't actually put limitations on the federal government when that's not the case. You can't. It's just not possible. When you have the convention of states, they go in with a very specific realm of this is what we're going to do, and their platform right now is cutting the budget, capping the budget, Putting term limits on elected officials and uh, giving government transparency. Now, that last one's a little bit more of a vague open term, but nonetheless, it's still there. Uh, so, cutting the budgets, capping budgets, cutting taxes, putting in term limits, I think is all good stuff. Why would we not want to do that? The only ones I could see not wanting to do that would be the actual elected officials who are scared of losing a lot of that power. Uh, that's ongoing. 316 721 5, 5. Let's go to the phones here as we get ready to wrap up line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Good morning. This is Sherry. Good morning, Sherry. How are you today?
8: Okay. Yeah. Um, the Convention of States is not a good idea. They tried to do this back in 95. When the original Constitutional Convention, they were... Uh, they were just supposed to amend the Articles of Confederation. Yeah, they locked the doors after some of the delegates had enough. Uh, they were they were to be instructed by their state legislatures. Sure, and uh, they cannot they cannot limit a constitutional convention. And as crooked as things are now, we can't risk it because it's just crooked I mean they locked the doors at the Constitution what became the Constitutional Convention and they did not want they had the opportunity to provide a bill of rights which is what Patrick Henry was going for yeah. but he
1: uh, they did not that. want yeah, it took them forever to pass that. You're right. I mean, it's you're right. The Constitutional Convention, when it was done back then, it was. It was supposed to just revise the Articles of Convention uh, or the Articles of uh, Confederacy. They were supposed to just revise the current form of government as it was not giving the federal government enough power to do what they needed to do. And they ended up having to overhaul the entire system. Uh, but, they, I mean, the when they crafted the Constitution in that convention – they left that Article 5 in there for that opportunity, again, for that outside force uh, from outside of the federal government to make changes if they needed to do so. And you're right, it's very difficult to do, and it can be risky to do so. Now, the Convention of States movement that's that's trying to piece together today uh, has, like I said, a three-step, very specific what they're going to address, and nothing else is allowed to be addressed at that time. And we know, you and I both know, the government's so big that they won't allow anything else to be adjusted, but if they are able to pass something, which is uh, very far-fetched and very difficult to do then it would be specifically for either term limits or uh, you know setting regulations on government spending or whatever it is um, so I think that it's a way for us to attack it at a different angle but you're right I don't know how successful it could be at the end of the day
8: well tell me this yeah. if they're not if they're not uh, obeying the Constitution right now what makes you think they're <laughs> going to do you know, yeah, I, what makes that, you think they're going to do anything if they a, revise it? And they're trying to take away our gun rights,
1: man. That is a great point. You I mean, you're spot on. You're right. If they don't already follow the constitutional, um, uh, I guess, limitations on federal government right now, what's going to make them do it if uh, states end up passing it as well? I think it would be a shock to the system to them if states actually did band together enough to make something like that happen. Uh, the, because they're not used to it. it. Yeah.
8: The alternative is for the state legislatures to start instructing their senators. Mm. They still have the power to do that. Uh, They need to do that and get the Senate in line because we need to, to make in all our whole state that you can't give a representative, somebody that's representing you, money unless you can vote for them. And that's what we
1: need to pass. I'm right there with you on that one. Here's the good news on that is that more states, I believe, are starting after the whole COVID pandemic and the centralization of power and these lockdowns and all the madness that we saw. I think many states are working more on this federalism uh, concept of we're going to start taking some of the decision making back into our own hands at a state level. Leave us the hell alone. And I got to give props to our government right now, at least with our attorney general and with our legislature trying to limit the amount of federal money coming in, causing some litigation and challenging the federal level on some of the cases going on to where we can take that power back. And that's good news, right?
8: Well, yeah. Now, in our Kansas Constitution, it says all power emanates from the people. Our legislature needs to remember that.
1: I am right there with you, my friend. we got to take a break here and wrap it up, but I appreciate the phone call very much, and you're spot on. I agree with you. I still think we should try an Articles Confederation just to attack from the outside forces as another attack angle. Um, but obviously, not enough states have signed on, and it's going to be a very challenging task to do so, and we need to make sure that we keep a tight lid on those and constrain it as well. But love the phone call. Appreciate it very much. does it for us today. Have a wonderful weekend. Back at it next weekend on Kansas Talk. Stay here.